What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Transformation Podcast brought to you by Soul City Church. Soul City exists to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And we hope that this podcast helps you move forward in faith, whoever and wherever you're at. Okay, let's get into today's conversation. Hey everyone, my name is Noelle and you are listening to the last episode of the Transformation Podcast, which is a new podcast brought to you by Soul City Church. And you all, you made it to the end, one, shout outs to you, but today we have a little surprise. We have a new guest host. Woo, 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 woo. Where's the little sound effect? I need some little shun, shun. Yes, we have a new guest host. <laughs> and his name is LJ. LJ, actually, this is not your first time on the podcast officially. No, this is a uh, second time. This is your second time on the podcast because last time, if you heard the baptism episode where we heard three different stories from people, LJ shared his story about baptism. And I think. I mean, just what great insight, what great visualization of that moment. And we're back again with it, with another time. And um, how are you feeling, LJ? I'm feeling blessed and highly favored, excited to be back. Um, there's so many emotions going on mm-hmm. right now. I bet, yeah. It's a good experience. We're happy yeah. to have you here. Um, I, I do want to give you the opportunity uh, to share a little bit about yourself again for those who may have not listened to the podcast, kind of what brought you to Soul City and how are you feeling now um, with your, I wouldn't say membership, but I said our, mm. your citizenship here citizenship. at Soul City. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, anyone who knows me knows that uh, I'm a work in progress and I need mm-hmm. some grace a lot of the times. Um, the second thing that everyone should know about me that I am a devoted subscriber of the transformation on (laughs) Apple and Spotify. (laughs) It's just one of the things that I believe is a core tenant of mine. Um, and, (laughs) uh, I, I would say the third thing is getting an opportunity to be, um, here is a commitment to the journey that I've been on at Soul City. Mm -hmm. And it really lives its mission of bringing people into a transformational relationship with Jesus. And and that's kind of been the last two and a half years for me. Mm. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I love that one, a nice plug for the podcast, but also just um, the beauty of your journey that's brought you here today. And we're so excited that this is an opportunity for all of our paths to cross. Um, I'm really excited about this conversation. I think LJ and John are just such great minds that I value so much. And so, uh, and Juju's here too, which you can't see him, but I value his mind as well. Um, but we want to make sure we thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for making it to the end. And like LJ said, subscribe and leave a review. We would love to know how this particular episode has impacted you. Well, I can't forget that we have our guest is he a guest? Eh, depends. But he is back after uh, last weekend's sermon, which was incredible. We are so grateful for John's voice here at Soul City. Welcome, John. Oh, thank you. I was, wait- I was <laughs> waiting, waiting for my permission to, to say hello. Yes, he's it's been good. here. It's good to be back in this chair. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yes. Uh, we, I mean, 
how are you feeling? This is the last episode. You're the guest. Yeah. You can't really speak too much to the host part today. But I know mm-hmm. uh, it's it's been a it's been a fun journey. We'll see. Yes. Well, you know, last episode for this quote, what we've been calling season one. Yes. Yeah. We'll see if there's a season two. We'll have to we'll have to talk to the, yeah. the higher authorities, absolutely, both human and divine, Amen. and see uh, and see what happens in the future. But it, it's it's been a really really fun ride. Yeah, I've I, had a I lot really of fun with these have. conversations. Me too, and I loved getting to know you more and better. But actually, I'm going to give it to LJ to ask you our opening question. Since I know you a little mm-hmm. bit, I'm going to give him an opportunity to get to know you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And it's <laughs> interesting because I got to see the service twice. I got to see it at home, and that was an experience in itself. And then the second service, I got to see it in person. Mm-hmm. And I would say it was 98%. Like the structure was there, almost everything. But there's something you did in the second service, John, that I want to ask you about. And it's how you opened your message. You opened it with gratitude. And that was just a little bit of a difference, but you just invited that into the space. So I would love to understand what made you do that? Like what led to that decision? Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Cause, um, that was something that I sort of fell into in the moment and what it, but it was something that had been brewing, I think, in my mind and in my heart all morning in that I was walking up uh, today, just like right outside where we're recording. And I was walking into the building this morning and I saw Alexandria uh, who's on staff here. And we were like, Oh, good morning. Good morning. Morning. We're excited. uh, This is going to be fun. And then I was just reflecting on, man, this is not guaranteed. Mm. Like what we're about to do, this is not guaranteed. And uh, we've been, we've become more and more aware of how true that is over the last year as our church mm-hmm. spent 52 weeks not in person. And now in these last several weeks, we've started to ramp back up and have people in the building. And I was just so aware walking in this morning that having people, like having the people of God gather together in a space, it's not guaranteed. Mm. It is a privilege. It is such a gift. And at the 11 a.m., I did a little... Uh, a, naughty sort of thing where Kelly was praying when she was on stage and instead of like bowing my head and closing my eyes like you know we mostly do when we pray mm-hmm. I kept my eyes open I just turned around and looked at the room from the front corner that I was in and I was I was just filled with this gratitude of look at all of these people who showed up like they could do wow. they could do well they can't do anything right now because still some things are closed but there's a lot of other ways you could spend your time and yet they chose to show up and trusted this church trusted me to a certain extent to speak to them for 30. They're going to give me their undivided attention for 30 minutes. You don't give a lot of things in your life, 30 minutes of undivided attention. <laughs> and so there was, I was, I was struck by the privilege of it really. Mm-hmm. Um, and was very grateful for that opportunity. So I wanted to, I felt led to let everyone in the room know yeah. <laughs> that I did not take it for granted. Uh, and I don't know if it felt weird for some folks. I don't know if it was meaningful for others, but I felt led to say it. Wow, that's so powerful. And and what's interesting about that is sometimes you don't realize how much of it that you're coming up on the spot with mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how something you're receiving a message because I'm as an audience member just trying to receive what you're trying to give me. And I don't think that you're also getting something from it at the same time. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I think, however, when it is, when and this is getting into like the art of preaching, but in the art of teaching, but when it's sort of at its best and you're in the flow of it, 
both of those things are happening simultaneously. You you are receiving exactly what you're pouring out, you know? Um, and I think that's kind of when you know you're sort of in the flow of the thing, that you are simultaneously able to pour out what God is, is continuing to pour into you. No, I, I, I love that. Um, and I appreciated uh, the gratitude as well. And when you, even you were talking now, I was thinking about the times where we would come for recordings and the the church would be empty, like a yeah. ghost town. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was hard. Like looking mm. back at that was, especially if you've been going to Soul City for at least pre-pandemic a couple months like the energy of people being in the building in the small groups and that's part of the community that a lot of people longed for and so yeah when we would have when I would have to come back for recordings and I remember one time I was just talking with Jeannie she's like yeah it's pretty empty in here and I miss the people and now the people are back so it's almost like you can't forget where we were and where we are now, which is just a true blessing to even be in this room, but to have people in that audience. So thanks for acknowledging that. Thanks for bringing that up too, LJ. Yeah. Yeah. So can we get to your teaching? Since yes. you talked about the flow and the art and the feng shui <laughs> of, of teaching. Uh, <laughs> oh man, it's the last one. You know, I got to be funny, guys. Let's be gotta, silly. Let's be <laughs> silly and serious. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, your title was "It's Not What I Thought." Mark eleven, Mark eleven, and you gave us a great understanding of the crowd during that time and the expectations that they had of Jesus, and not necessarily bad, but what they had experienced prior, but also what they longed for. They wanted, like you said, a revolution that they could resonate with, but. Can you just give us a little more context before we go into discussion about Mark 11? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we've been walking through Mark on this podcast as well. And in Mark 11, we reach uh, the what we sort of celebrate as Palm Sunday, what is often noted in the Bible as the triumphant entry or the triumphal entry, which is Jesus riding into Jerusalem, uh, you know, the capital city for the nation of Israel, for God's people. He rides in on this donkey and it is sort of the beginning, chapter 11 is the beginning of the end, really, for Jesus. Yeah. This will ultimately be the final week of his life. Um, it is also a week where the Jewish people are celebrating Passover, which is this big, huge festival that all the Jews would come to Jerusalem for. So it, it's a packed, meaningful week for the Jewish people already, and will become more so as, you know, Jesus moves towards the cross and towards a resurrection. Um, it's interesting in the Gospel of Mark, you know, the narrative of Jesus on the cross in the church is referred to as the passion narrative. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you maybe have heard that language before. Uh, Mark is a short gospel. It's the shortest one. But chapters 11 through 16 are the passion narrative. And so uh, sometimes scholars refer to Mark as a passion narrative with a long introduction. Mm. Mm. So just chapters one through 10 are the introduction. And then the final six are really just the, the slow, steady march of Jesus into Jerusalem and pretty much straight to the cross. So that's where we are and that's where we're going. Yeah. So that, that was really exciting to, I mean, I I just, uh, and we were talking about this off the record, but I just love the theological context. Like this is what we need to understand um, the people to go into uh, the Bible verse, as you said. Shout out to the Bible verse. <laughs> Shout out to it for those who hadn't um, 
listened to or watched the sermon yet, uh, John talked about this Bible verse and kind of correlated to the Marvel universe. I'm a big Marvel fan. Yeah. So I got that reference. Like, I, I felt that. Well, I think it's important. Like, I, I actually added that in sort of last minute impromptu mm. at the 9 a.m. Because I think when people... You know, if you listen to this podcast and you hear, you know, myself or Jarrett or, you know, Noel did like talk about some theological context mm -hmm. or, you know, some historical context in the first century, that feels very intimidating. Yeah. That feels like I will ne I would never be able to do that. I'd never be able to understand or see that. But the reality is those tools, that's stuff we already do, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm like understanding the Easter eggs and the callbacks that are in scripture. That's something we already do specifically with something like Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. You know, we see something that's happening in Endgame, and we know it's a reference to something that happened all the way back in Iron Man three, you know, mm -hmm. and we already do that. We just do it with different things. Yeah. And I, I think that's the challenge for me when I think about the theoretical theological context being intimidating that like you said, you deal with other things. I knew exactly what references because I've watched all the Marvel movies. I've watched, you know, Tony Stark develop into his you humanness. You've lived in that universe. I've lived. I know the people. I know their feelings. Mm -hmm. I know the tension between Hulk and the Black Widow. Like, mm -hmm. I know all of this, these things. But that's because I've studied the movies and I've remembered. So it's just about where you put your energy. Yeah. When we that. saturate ourselves in the words of scripture, those connections are right on are, point. They're right there. And exciting. And yeah. you're like, oh my gosh, they're, they're referencing what they just referenced in Psalms or what they referenced mm -hmm. in. Um, and you just get a better understanding of the writers and you get a better understanding of the connectedness of, is connectedness, I'll use that word, connectedness of the Bible. And I, yeah, I just really appreciated that. Um, but what you did talk about was this whole concept of, a story of misunderstandings, um, which is super relatable. I mean, you can have a misunderstanding like every hour. I feel like I do. <laughs> um, so the story that it brought the this humanist to the crowd and to um, the people in this uh, particular text, but can you talk a little bit more about that too? What were they misunderstanding? Yeah, I think ultimately... The story of Palm Sunday, while it is celebratory and joyful and all of those things, uh, the story of Palm Sunday, like you said, I think is a story of misunderstanding or unmet expectations. Yeah. Um, this crowd wasn't necessarily hailing Jesus as a spiritual king of the universe, like we kind of talk about him in church. Mm -hmm. They had, um, I think, a much more minimized picture of who he was and what he was here to do. They had expectations that he was, you know, this revolutionary who was going to overthrow Rome, who was oppressing them at the time, you know, and, and it's not necessarily that, as you said, it's not necessarily they were wrong. Jesus was a king. He was a liberator. He was a revolutionary, but he was playing a bigger game. Mm -hmm. like he was there to do more and it just wasn't exactly what they thought it was. And I, I think that that story of Palm Sunday, these people who show up, not just with these expectations of God and not from a place of entitlement, but from a place of deep desperation and need. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like they're these, you know, privileged people. Like they are a deeply oppressed people who have a deep desire that they're hoping that God will meet. And God does meet it. However, he does it in a different way than they were expecting. Um, and I just think that this story of Palm Sunday is such a perfect metaphor, perfect picture for what we often do with God, where we come to God sometimes from a place of, you know, privilege and entitlement, 
but other times from a place of deep desperation. And we have a will. We have an agenda. We have a des- even righteous desires of what we want God to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those align with who God is and what God does want to do. But oftentimes they don't align perfectly. Uh, and I think part of faith is being willing to, first of all, acknowledge that my desires and my agenda and my will is not God's perfect will all mm-hmm. the time, and being willing to release what I want or what I expected in order to receive what God is actually doing and ultimately who God actually is. How do you allow those two things to coexist? Because those, in and of itself, the willingness to sort of want to accept what it is that God is trying to give you, but then at the same time, it not feeling (laughs) how you want it to feel. How do you allow those two things to coexist when it comes to your spiritual walk and journey? Can you ask the question one more time? I want to, in a different way, I want to make sure I understand the heart of it. So, what I'm trying to, to sort of understand here is, and what you said is so relatable, because a lot of what it means to sort of walk with Christ is that you have to surrender in a sense. And Jared talked about that in his message as well. Um, but the feeling of wanting to surrender, like we, we all worship together, like even being in person, the worship is so amazing. Like that feels great. And it's mm-hmm. like, yes, I want to surrender to God. But then when you actually have to do the actions of what that looks like, it doesn't feel great. Like it's really, really hard and it's really difficult. So how do you allow those two things to sort of coexist and they have to both happen? You have to surrender, but you kind of have to just accept how difficult it's going to be and how difficult that journey is. Yeah, I think it ultimately, for me at least, comes down to part of faith is not only believing that Jesus is king, meaning Jesus is in charge, but that Jesus is a better king or better at being in charge than I am. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not it's not just that I can surrender to God, but it's also that I believe that in surrendering to God, I am giving control over to someone and a being who is far better equipped to be in control and to move things the way they need to be moved than I am if mm-hmm. I were to to hold tightly to what I think things should be. Um, again, that doesn't always feel good. That is certainly not easy to do. Uh, but ultimately I think that's part of what faith is. It is that surrender, uh, to, to release believing that the person or the God you are releasing to is far better equipped to run the Mm -hmm. universe than I am or than you are. Yeah. And, and do you think this is just me kind of processing out loud, but of course we don't, always um we won't ultimately know who god is in totality until we are resurrected and and those things um to be with him and like you said in your sermon even even then um that even when we see people in their in their most excited worship stance like it's just a part of that um but is there a way and i'm asking this to both of you all uh that you feel is it better for a person seeks God first to understand, do you think that makes the surrendering easier? Not necessarily easier because surrender is hard because it's varying. Um, but if you're knowing, if you know or have a sense of who you're surrendering to, would that 
help in a way. I'm thinking of the, of a, an example of like, yeah, if you have to give someone, you know, your car that you care about super, you love your mm-hmm. car, you invest in your car, you care about your car a lot. Um, and you give someone your keys to drive your car. You have to know who the person is, right, in order to trust them with something like you value. I don't know if that's a good example. but I think it's a great example, actually. Uh, and I think that's part of what makes uh, things like biblical study and yes. church teaching and like corporate worship and all of these things. I think that's what makes the – and small groups and ev- everything we try and do here at Soul City and in the church at large – I think that's what makes those things so important and so necessary. Because if we were just to say, well, God is so big and so beautiful and so wonderful that he's unknowable and completely unfathomable and you'll never be able to totally Mm -hmm. understand it. If we were just to say that and be like, bye, Mm -hmm. well, that's true, but I don't know if it's super helpful. Like, Mm -hmm. again, I don't know if anyone's going to give their car over to just someone some mm-hmm. being that's unknowable and unfathomable. Mm-hmm. But if we have ways to, as you were saying, begin to see in part, yeah, you know, if we have, we have the Bible, we have God's word, which shows us a, a significant portion of God's character and his goodness. You know, we have church teaching, which is supposed to do that. We have small, all of these different transformational resources that the church creates and is. I think what that does is that, you start to learn aspects of God. You start Mm. to really get a better idea of who he is while at the same time knowing I'm never going to be able to fully grasp it. And that's not only true of God. I think that's true in your car example as well Mm -hmm. of like, you know, I would trust you with my car, Noel. I really, really would. I'd say, yeah, Noel can borrow my car. No problem. Because I know you in part, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. The reality is I don't know all of who you are, Absolutely. But I know, I feel like I know you enough to trust you with my car. Shoot, I don't know all of who I am. I'm exactly. still learning myself. You feel exactly. me? Like, I, I'm trying to understand who I am on a daily basis yeah. and how I react to things. Um, but you, like you said, the part that you have seen, you know I wouldn't intentionally destroy your property. You know, right. or, or I have the part that you have seen is a part that you can't trust, yeah. which is good. And I think that... And isn't that what our faith journey is? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It builds on top of one another. And sometimes we have this whole like... Um, you just you just forget the experiences that you've had. And I think, like you said, LJ, it brings it back to the importance of gratitude. And I love that you pinpointed that out because if you always bring back to, you, to your remembrance the goodness of God and what he's done in the past, you're starting to build that that foundational block of like, oh, I, I know him to be good because he got me out of, you know, mm-hmm. or he's been there with me through, like you said, uh, you mentioned like immeasurable grief or grief and things like that. He's gotten me through those low periods of time. And even though I might know the, not know the totality of him, I do have an understanding of him in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like we can't, we can't necessarily see the entire being of who God is, but there's so much evidence, yeah, you know, that Absolutely. he, of just how big and how good he is. It's like, we can't, we <laughs> like, it's like you're searching for this giant, magical, mystical creature in the woods and you can't necessarily see the creature, but you can see their footprints. Mm-hmm. You can see that they, that they mm-hmm. ate from this tree. Like there's yeah. all this evidence that the creature does exist and you begin to create this picture of what this creature looks like and who they are. Mm-hmm. And your picture might be close uh, but it might not be exactly what it is. Yeah, there'll but be misunderstandings. Be, you'll be misunderstandings, mm-hmm. exactly. And and part of it with God is being able to 
surrender those misunderstandings yeah. rather than cling tightly to them, especially when presented with evidence that it is actually a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I thought was interesting about the historical context is, as you mentioned in, in, in the sermon, these are people who have gone through oppression. And what resonated with me is I can understand how they were trying to embrace the idea that they needed a reckoning mm. and the way that they were going to get it. Cause you're, you're sort of drawn to the, like the power and the, and the influence that they're able to have. And, and, and to me, that is very similar to sort of what we're seeing now, oppressed people who are looking for some sort of reckoning and that can be in a lot of different spaces, but the question that I have for you is when you were sort of studying this text, how do you continue to unpack the idea that for folks who feel victimized, for folks who feel oppressed in a way, how do you expand your understanding of what good is? Because that to me is where a lot of the misunderstanding came. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's a great question. And that's something that I was... I tried to be very conscious of when talking about this story because one thing that you could do with this story is you could spiritualize Jesus entirely and say, oh, well, Jesus doesn't care about any of this earthly oppression that you're dealing Mm. with. Jesus is playing a much higher spiritual game, Mm. which is true, but it doesn't mean he didn't care about the oppression. Mm. He wouldn't have spent three years walking around healing people and trying to bring tax collectors really close into his community and, and discipling them and, and changing their minds and they're transforming their lives. You know, he wouldn't have done all that stuff mm-hmm. if he didn't also care about the, the oppression, the present oppression that was happening. And so I think um, the reality is both of those things are important. The question that you had asked of defining sor- sort of what is good or what is right or what needs to happen, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's a great question, and I think it's it's really interesting. I had a conversation with a guy right after the service, a guy who's a part of our church, and he was sharing with me that he personally is very politically conservative, and he felt so called out by the message and was open to being called out of like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's a lot of the, the conservative church and the specifically the politically conservative camp that is just totally misunderstanding or minimizing what Jesus is about. Like he's, mm-hmm. he was, he was very, I was like, this is, wow, this is cool. Like, this is awesome. Um, that you opened yourself up to receive it in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's probably true for someone who's on the other side of that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, to someone who is more in the, a liberal camp or a progressive camp, the, the realization that like, Oh, the, the, the human agenda that we find ourselves pushing forward in the progressive camp is probably informed by the way of God. It's probably informed by God, but it might not be exactly perfect. I think the same is true both for, as I was talking, as Phil talked about, it was true for the rich young ruler who is a person of immense privilege. Mm -hmm. You know, the good news calls those of us who carry privilege, calls us out. Not just calls us out and shows us a a spiritual future Mm -hmm. one day, but calls us out how do we leverage our privilege right here, right now. But also Jesus speaks to the little child, you know, uh, and to the person who has been oppressed or the person who has been ignored and sees them in that moment. Mm -hmm. Says, I see you. I love you. I care for you. And there's something so much bigger going on. 
mm. at the same time. Um, but I, yeah, I would I would be interested uh, to hear either of your thoughts on on that from uh, from the place of you know how how do we zoom out a little bit from our experience and see that bigger thing or that better thing that God is doing. That's a good question. Um, sorry, just a quick comment. I did. I loved how you asked that question, LJ, because it does bring you into that Bible verse. Bible verse. Um, that we've been talking about, like how do you see the people and why they wanted what they wanted and why they were requesting, you know, um, a, a revolutionary, someone who it was very evident that they were coming to trample on um, those who were oppressing them. And like you said, it, it correlates so much to the culture that we're living in now. You see some people who have the posture of like, we're done with you. We, we want a reckoning. We don't care who gets trampled on anymore. We want to um, we want to see victory in our way. And then you see other people who have the kind of the posture, a different posture, whatever the counter is of that. Um, we actually need to cling to our, yes. our power or our, our place yeah. in this world, no matter what. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know that. <laughs> that other side very well <laughs> i do <laughs> i was like who i don't know what they'd be thinking but uh, but thanks john um, I got you. <laughs> so what is the so can you ask your question again in a different way yeah how, how how do we get to this place and this is i think this is the the heart of it of no of naming that we have this desire we have this need mm-hmm. and we're, we're talking about it in very you know general in a very general sense so maybe getting specific would help but i have this desire i have this need for a reckoning you know we talk about a racial reckoning can we how do we get to a place where we say hey for me the the white the woke white progressive you know person who wants to be racially aware and racially informed and an an ally that the the that whole human agenda that exists is gr- is wonderful and great and something mm-hmm. that I'm seeking to be a part of. It doesn't align 100% with the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I zoom out a little bit and begin to begin to ask the question of where does it align, where doesn't it align? Mm, um, I, you can start, LJ. Um. I'm still trying to process this, but the best way that I can describe it is, so I saw the service twice and it's the difference between my God is also our God. I got to see and hear and experience the message in my own home, have my own ideas. It wasn't what I thought it was better, but then I saw it in person and then I'm hearing the ad libs. I'm hearing when people respond to what you're saying. I'm hearing what draws people in. I'm hearing when people feel challenged. And it might not align with my personal experience, but this is when I have to wrestle with the idea of our God. And I think what I loved about your message is I felt really challenged in that moment. Like I felt like I was minimizing God, even though my experience of God was so personal. It felt so raw. It felt so real. And then I get into a room where to the left of me, God could be a healer. And they're going through something that they need God to mend. And me, God could be 
someone who just keeps bringing good news into my life. And I'm just in, a, in an amazing season. So I really started to recognize, wow, God is not just one thing. He's everything. And he's so many other things. So how do you make that transition? I think you just can't think about yourself, but it has to be in community somehow. Mm, that's really good. Yeah. I see that. I know. I got a whole visual on that. I, you and the visuals, man. I'm, I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, to answer the question, when you all both were talking, um, I think about us being like parts of the body. Um, and I hope I'm answering this correctly. Um, because there is a tension here, here where someone else's definition of God or um, how they experience God isn't like yours. Um, and it's ha- it's a hard tension, right? Like because the God that some conservative people may um, praise and worship, may, is it crazy to say that he might be the same person and just their their experience and their what they're being their background is just informing them a, a, a misunderstanding of him and and vice versa. I think there's like you said a plethora of misunderstandings happening, but the goodness of God, I, I think He covers all of that um, and and bring and works in our humanity. Um, but I think that people, if we're stepping back, if I'm stepping back, I think I think about the my part of it. Like, what's my fear? sphere of influence what can I do what are my gifts having a clear understanding of that and then like you said knowing that that is just one part and then expanding that to learning about other people and how they're experiencing God all of this stuff not stuff but I do a lot of DEI work at my own job and sometimes I'm so exhausted about talking about it because I'm just like what we're asking you is to see people is to see, like you said, is is someone experiencing God as a healer? Is someone experiencing him in another way as a counselor, as someone who's um, filling in the gap of their marriage and is a mediator at that time? Like, I think it if you just open yourself up to learning about how they see God is one of the first steps while knowing how you see God is one but how do they and having those conversations with people and feeling uncomfortable with that now that sounds probably um very kumbaya but there are probably people that you already know um that you haven't sat down with that can just be the start right there of just like, okay, how are you experiencing God? What are your experiences in general? And stop always trying to think bigger picture, but more like the bigger picture is a, uh, a picture of little pictures of different people. And so how do you break that down to see what, who, who's making up the picture, if that makes sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It, in, in some sense, this whole conversation that we're having could also be a conversation about idols and idolatry yeah when either our version of god that we've concocted in our head we cling so tightly to it that it actually becomes an idol to who god actually is you know distracting us pulling our worship and our presence and our attention away from the true god but also there's the idolatry of our own agendas or our own desires you know um, that, hey, God has placed this one uh, injustice in the world on my heart mm-hmm. in a heavy, heavy way. I think God does that. I think God absolutely convicts certain 
people around certain things in the world and calls them to make a difference and maybe sometimes to even dedicate their lives towards working towards greater justice in, in a certain area. I think where I sometimes run into problems is I make the part into the whole. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my my calling towards being an, an ally in the fight for racial justice becomes rather than a, a major room in my house of faith, it becomes the entire home. Yeah. When actually God is the entire home. The gospel, the good news is the entire home. And that part of where my faith plays out, that's a significant room. And I spend a lot of time in that room and that's mm-hmm. a meaningful room. But sometimes we kind of put the cart before the horse, mm-hmm. I think is is when we fall. That's I think that's what the Jewish people were doing yeah. in some sense. They were putting their national agenda ahead of the, the agenda of, of God's kingdom and what he act, and his plan to actually bring goodness and mercy to the whole world, yeah. not just to the one people. Yeah, and I think I think about I, the perspective of the oppressed. Sometimes you don't have the room to think outside of mm-hmm. what you're going through um, because it's just all consuming. It's affecting your work. It's affecting your livelihood. It's affecting your relationships with people you're walking around with like a big boulder on your shoulder and it's like oh god don't you see that I have this boulder like this is all I can think about I can't be friends with other people right now because this is all consuming and so that again there's that tension that comes in it's like I may not feel that way all the time or I might have seasons where I feel that way um but how can I I don't know, how can I relate to someone who feels that way or someone else, like you said, who's holding tightly to the values that just are like, do you hate people or no? Because like, what are you talking about? But I still have to, in order to see a real transformation, I still have to sit with the fact that I have to talk with that person. I still need to understand and show grace to that person, even when I really don't want to, because they live on the planet Mm -hmm. just as I do, you know, it, it, it's interesting. It's we we hold on so closely to our ideas that they can't bend; they can only break. Mm, and come on, after they break, what do you do with that? Do you put it back together? Do you try to find out another understanding of that? And I, I'm curious to hear from both of you all when you think about your entire relationship um, and faith journey. When was the first time? that God wasn't who you thought him to be? And how did that feel? I think for me, it was probably like the first meaningful encounter that I had with Jesus that I can really remember. Like my first big yes to Jesus, which for me, I was 14 years old. It was at a Christian summer camp, you know. Um, And... I think for me what it was is uh, this idea that I had always thought of God as very separate from humanity. You know, God is this uh, up-in-the-sky thing. You know, up-in-the-sky being big. Really, I think I thought of God as like a big human living up in the sky, essentially. And when I really heard the story of Jesus coming down to this earth, a, a God who not only had like rules for my life and was like in charge of everything, but a God who loved me 
like me personally, that was the kind of the gospel that I was given first was like a personal love of Jesus. That was like, oh, it's not, it's not what second, third, fourth grade John thought. Mm-hmm. It was way more, for me, it was, it's not what I thought. It's more personal. Mm-hmm. That, I think that was the first category shift for me, probably. Hmm. Um, a time where God was, can you say it again? Cause I'm listening to Janet. Can you say it again for me, LJ? Do you, can you think back on a time when, or the first time really, when God wasn't who you thought him to be? Yeah. So I would say that I, I experienced when I was younger, God through people, I mean, obviously, I was very dependent on people for my well-being, but also um, through how I learned about God. And I remember um, that I had a friendship with a girl who was my age, and she was on fire for God. Still is to this day, like on fire. We both danced together, and we did praise dancing. And I really learned a lot about, you know, how to be a Christian and how to be excited about God and have this like fun energy around God from her. Um, and so I didn't idolize her necessarily, but I learned about God through her. Um, and I remember there was a, we had like a Facebook exchange where it ended up being her and she wanted to correct me as a, I was like probably 17, so 16, 17, um, about, the way that I dressed, um, and because she was big on modesty, <laughs> and I, so was I, <laughs> to an extent, and <laughs> as a teenager, I was very open to, you know, expressing my style in the form of tight dresses, and she had an exchange with me over Facebook, where she basically said I was going to hell, and I'm causing my brother, uh, spiritual brother men to lust, and they're not going to look at me like I'm a daughter of the king. I'm, they're going to look at me like, you know, they're looking at how my body is shaped. Um, and that's when I really had a path to have, ha, ha, la, ha, can't even talk about it, um, had to have a moment where I was like, I think I hate who her and I hate anybody connected to her because you're making me feel like the dirtiest person mm-hmm. I've ever met. Um, and if you're on so on fire for God, why are you trying to structure it as if he's saying this to me? Like she was always very spirit led. And so I think, or, or any time that I've seen spiritual abuse mm-hmm. is when I've been, kind of disappointed not necessarily in God but in whoever those people were serving because that was their own agenda but I think when I see spiritual abuse I've had moments of disappointment with that Mm, Um, yeah and that said I want to I want to hear from you LJ but I want to point out something uh that I was thinking about is that so often what we are used to in the world is it's not what I thought it's worse, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, like especially with the leaders in our lives, whether they're political leaders, whether it's our parents sometimes, whether it's church leaders, people who, you know, like this, this girl who was a a faith leader for you. Genuinely. It's like what we so often, what we get so used to in our culture is, Hey, did you hear about so-and-so guess what? They're not what you thought. Yes. They're worse. Yeah. Guess what? It's not what you thought it was. It's way worse than that. Yeah. 
And I think we carry that, especially in our culture today, we carry that to God mm-hmm. and we expect it to be the same way. Yes. But it is actually, I believe, the complete opposite. Like Jesus is the one leader in our lives that we can truly say, hey, actually, he's not who you thought. He's not worse. He's better than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's better than how he was represented to you at, yeah. at 17 years old. Yeah. And I think I think it's okay to... Or I think you should acknowledge that that's how you are right now. If that's how you are, if that's where you're at and you're like, I have experienced so many, so much spiritual abuse. I've experienced spiritual abuse, meaning like people misusing the name of God to harm and hurt people with their words, maybe physically. Um, But just being conscious of that um, and and starting there and being like, this is where I'm coming from. And God, please reveal to me who you really are. Not even just like, you can say show me better, but sometimes he does what he does. Mm-hmm. But if just be like, can you reveal to me who you are? Because sometimes that's hard to hold that. Yeah, because we can't always, I used to say this all the time, we can't always equate the heart of God with the character of people. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. it's sometimes they're very, very different. Yeah. Um, LJ, what about you? When's the f- first time or a time where you were confronted with the reality that God was maybe not what you thought or who you thought. I'm reminded of, uh, of a time also when I was 17. Um, I was a junior in high school and a a woman who was so influential in my life was my godmother. Uh, she was about 83 years old at the time and she had an accident where she, she ended up falling down the stairs and we had all rallied around to sort of visit her in the hospital. And she ended up passing away. And the reason that I, I remember that time is because the, the, the thought that comes to my mind and, and what I was thinking at the time is, um, God, I read that you were a healer. And this woman who was so important to who I was and who I am at the time didn't make it. And it was only after the fact that I realized that um, while she wasn't healed, everyone who was in that room, um, as we saw her take her last breath, was changed in that moment. And it took a really long time to process that and, and, and going back to your story as well, Noel, we operate on the information that we have mm-hmm. about God. And until you're willing to learn more, until you're willing to receive more, you're, you're also subject to what that means, that you only know this much. Like, What if we only read Mark 11 mm-hmm. and didn't read the rest of the gospel? What would that mean for how you think about Jesus? And that was a time when I just had to read more. I had to know more. Um, and that just took some time. And it's it wasn't easy. And even talking about it now, I, I'm brought back to that time and, and that experience. But that's sort of of what I uh, go to when I, when I think about that question. Mm, I love that. And I love the... That is, to use a biblical word, a covenant-type relationship with God, that even when 
from God's side, a covenant relationship is even when we are unfaithful, even when we forget about God, even when we betray God, God is still faithful to come after us and to, Mm -hmm. to walk with us. Mm -hmm. And for us to say yes to Jesus and enter into what we would call a covenant relationship with him is God, even when my categories get blown up, even when I lose my godmother, even when someone completely misrepresents you to me, I am going to continue to pursue a relationship with you in one way or another. I remember uh, like the story I tell of when I knew I was ready to propose to my wife, Erin, it was, I was sitting on my bed. It was my senior year of college. And I had this thought about the six year relationship we had had dating filled with drama, rough stuff (laughs) filled with drama. And I remember sitting there and I thought, my gosh, if we get married, we're probably still going to have drama. We're probably still going to have arguments. We're probably still going to have disagreements. We're going to go through probably maybe even worse seasons than we already have. And I remember thinking to myself, it is all worth it, all of that stuff, so long as I can be in a relationship with her. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wonder if like that's part of a, a faith walk as well, of like knowing that there's going to be these really hard seasons of life but for me i'd much rather walk through them with god than without god you know i'd much rather lean into those seasons and discover that they're an opportunity to learn more about god and to to understand him a little bit more and to get a bit more of a clear picture of who he is so i I appreciate you both sharing those no yeah thank you john um for one, this message, I think it was very timely. And I, I, I love, uh, and, and if you all don't know him personally, I'm still getting to le- learn John and know John. But um, just to, as much intention as you put into your messages and the feedback you even give people, he's giving me feedback, y'all. It wasn't that bad. He's great at it. Um, but just the thoughtfulness that you put into the work that you do here at Soul City, we're very, very, very grateful for you. And Soul City is a better place because of it. Um, so I just wanted to make sure you knew that. Um, but just to wrap up, do you all have some practical steps that someone can take, like we say today, um, if they want to put down the past or, you know, bring the past to God um, and start a new, start a fresh way to understanding him? I'll steal from LJ <laughs> and, his, and in his story of... Like, I, I just wonder if maybe there's some more learning that mm-hmm. needs to be done. And that when I say learning, I don't necessarily just mean maybe you need to read more, you know. I, I think what I mean is, like, we talk all the time at Soul City about taking next steps, you know. Um, join a small group or, you know, sign up to serve. All of those, what they are, it's not just a way to get involved in church all of those are opportunities to learn about God Mm -hmm. in one way or another. I didn't just learn about God from sitting in my office at home and reading my Bible as one of the ways. And so, yeah, I think to continue this search of the, of an unending God, what I would encourage people to do is just take whatever that next step is for them. Yeah. You know, take that next step in your, what I'll call an educational journey and that is not just an academic literary education. That is an experiential education yeah. of who God is. 
And so whatever that thing is, you know, if you're listening to this, that thing in your mind and you've been questioning, should I, should I do that? Should I not do that? Should I join that group? Should I read that book? What I would say is the answer is probably yes. Yeah. You know? Great. Thank you. And thank you, LJ. Yes. How? Shout out LJ. <laughs> go LJ. Go LJ. Um, we you better are give st- me that calm presence. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, visualization. Yes. Yes. Uh, we really, really appreciate you being Seriously. on here. Your words were so intentional and so powerful and mm-hmm. impactful. And thank you for your commitment to your faith journey that has now brought you here to share with us. So we're, we're grateful for that. Um, thank you, Juji. We really appreciate every time we've recorded. Julian has been here every meeting. Uh, um, you all, again, don't get to hear his voice very often, but we're so grateful for you. And we've been blessed to be on this podcast. It's been a great experience for us. And like we said before, if you could leave a review, uh, make sure you subscribe. If you want to go back and listen to some episodes that might spark your interest, we'd love to hear feedback on those as well. Um, but this is the last and final one. And so, John, I'm going to toss it to you mm, to close this out. Fantastic. I will. And I'll thank you, Noel, as well. Then you're not going to get off the hook. Thank you for oh, just taking taking a massive risk saying yes to this. Mostly being willing, (laughs) mostly being willing to sit down with Jarrett and I, and I know we can go off and start making fun (laughs) of each other. Um, But yeah, you just brought so much wonderful humanity to this. Thank um, you. And you really brought yourself, which is all we want. That's all all you said. And I said, cool, I can do that. You you did it. (laughs) You did it. All right. Well, and to all of our listeners, thank you so much. You know, whether you've listened to this once or whether you've listened to all of our episodes, we really, really appreciate it. I hope that you got something out of this. Um, I hope it helped to, as our desire is at this church, to lead you into a transforming relationship with Jesus. I hope that happened for you on this podcast. And as we go, as we wrap up season one, yes. our prayer is that uh, God would wreck your life and wreck your transformational journey with his unbelievable love and his unbelievable grace. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the Transformation Podcast brought to you by Soul City Church. For more from Soul City, including teaching, giving information, or to join us for any of our weekend gatherings, visit our website, soulcitychurch.com.